Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of four, a business owner, an entrepreneur, and a wife of 12 years to my husband, who is terminally ill. And this is my podcast, When Shit Gets Real. It's a candid discussion about when dynamics change and life gets real messy. Welcome to episode five of When Shit Gets Real. And it is a completely different day, by the way. (laughs) I just really enjoy wearing gray sweatshirts. (laughs) Starting over. Sorry, I had to. You know I had to. That's okay. Sarah Sarah and I just really like gray. We like gray. gray. It's November in Wisconsin. We love gray. All right. Um, Hey, welcome back to When Shit Gets Real. This is episode five. Um, And what I want to focus on with my co-guest today, or my only guest, I guess. What would you be my co-host? Co-host today. Mm -hmm is um, Becca, my sister, also a therapist. So she, again, has lots of great insight and has been through this whole journey with me over all these different years. Um, But I really want to talk about where things were a year ago to where they are now. And actually further than a year ago, because when things were really bad was after he had had his, Tyler had his surgery in March. Mm -hmm. Recovery was really great. He started radiation and then things started going downhill with his speech and being able to comprehend things. And I literally thought I was going insane, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and um, I talked about this on another episode with Natalie that I really remember just I I called you all at various times saying, if this continues, I can't stay in this. I can't because it was horrible. Mm -hmm. And I remember trying to get any book or podcast, which were non-existent or, you know, anything that would help, you know, there's tons of books about when life blows up in your face, you know, Mm -hmm. facing adversity, you know, stuff like that. And which were all very helpful. The reoccurring theme through all of them is acceptance, you know, and I don't feel like acceptance is something you just wake up one day and you're like, oh, I accept it now. Oh, right. Yeah, You know, and accepting doesn't mean you have to like it either. I think people confuse that also, but, um, it's just been a journey and a process, you know, because I had, I had made up my mind that I was going to have to leave the relationship if this is because I can't. I couldn't live my life like that. I just couldn't. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the tumor came back and that was a whole new level of acceptance, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So, but you were, I mean, you were so instrumental in all of that, you know, and just Mm -hmm. kind of helping. It's grief. That's right. I kept saying that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is grief and loss it's loss of a partner that you knew one way for Mm -hmm. 
12 years or 11 years, mm-hmm. right? Mom used to say something um, growing up all the time that I just have completely adopted and I use constantly, but the idea of creating a new normal. <coughs> exactly. And she would always, when we would have like breakups, you know, or there would be something going on with a friend or something like that, she would always say, we just need to find our new normal, right? Which mm-hmm. made it... Um, <coughs> I got to take a break. That's okay. <coughs> you can just do that and then like just... Mm-hmm. Tap it back in. That's nice. Wait till I'm done with my coughing fit. Did you want some water? <coughs> I got my tea. <clears throat> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, okay. Okay. So, mom was <clears throat> new normal. The new normal. Um, I don't know, just always made me, it's such a comforting phrase. Yeah. Because we are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. We thrive on routine, you know? So when routine changes, right. it's so disruptive to our lives. And so that was really my big thing was it was like, we got to get Sarah to a place where she realizes there will be a new normal because mm-hmm. this is this is normal isn't it for you yeah <laughs> like now this is totally normal yeah mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that you like it no I, I fucking hate it <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> listeners <laughs> no but it's, it's terrible our normal. yeah it's our it's our normal and the normal keeps changing mm-hmm. so what are the okay. um so <coughs> do you want to take a break? <clears throat> I don't get some ways water. to do that. Huh? <clears throat> I might get a mint or something. <clears throat> Grab my water, please. Where is it? I think it's right on the... Is it right there? No, I think you should say, so let's talk about the five stages of grief. Oh, that's right. Okay. That didn't lock, did it? Well, if it did, there's a lot right there. Well, can you un... I don't like that. It makes me feel very... Is it locked right now? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, it don't mess with it. It's fine. 
but it just sounded like it had locked, and I don't, I can't, uh, I don't want to deal with that, so. All right, so let's talk about <clears throat> the five stages of grief. Okay, yeah, so, um, the five stages of grief were first introduced by Elizabeth Kubler Ross um, in a book she wrote um, entitled On Death and Dying um, way back in 1969. So, um, I mean, there's there's other models out there, but they all have kind of the same. Um, they all resonate the same about mm-hmm. the idea of having to move through certain stages in order to get to kind of an ultimate stage, which is acceptance. Um, and so there's no one right way to do that. You, everybody goes through the stages in different ways and different, at different times, you can be in one stage and then jump back to another stage and mm-hmm. go in and out and in and out. So you can be in, in acceptance and then go back to depression. Right. So, I mean, there's just, there's no, um, linear road right, to the right. end. Um, so we've got um, denial and isolation. And um, I guess the way to kind of just talk about those would be um, just kind of denying it, right? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't happening. It's not real. Um, rationalizing, um, you know, it's it's a defense mechanism, Um and then the isolation is kind of the obvious, right? Just removing yourself from others, um, trying to numb yourself, right? Um, just really feeling like you don't belong and things are meaningless. Um, the second stage is anger. Well, again, that kind of speaks for itself. We talked about that with little Hendrix. Right. right? I think we've... I've definitely experienced anger on levels that I can't... I. Yeah. Well, and I think that um, in this case, anger is what it is. Anger. You're you're mad at the situation. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, what I struggled with a lot and still struggle with is me masking my fear, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. sorrow, my sadness mm-hmm. through anger. One hundred percent. That was a conversation I remember us having is you would just say like i am so are we swearing on this or no yeah oh okay i'm so fucking furious or i'm saying you know and i'd be like sarah you're fucking sad you're heartbroken yeah you're terrified right i mean you know we call anger a secondary emotion it's very much an emotion Mm -hmm. right but if you dig under the surface there is oftentimes way different emotions going on. Right. Um, But I think anger is definitely a default for you. Yeah. Well, Um, it's a lot more comfortable. mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because I mean, it's a it's a great defense mechanism. It keeps you motivated. It keeps you moving. It um, empowers you. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, every emotion that we have can serve a wonderful purpose if we use it. And for with Tyler and us. Tyler and I, it, he's taking that anger he's picking up on mm-hmm. personally. And I keep telling him, I'm not angry at you. I'm angry with the situation. I've heard you say I'm angry at the cancer. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not mad at him. 
But sometimes you are. Sometimes that's true. <laughs> sometimes I am. <clears throat> well, and it, you know, when we talk about anger, you know, it can be directed at the at the loved one, right? Mm-hmm. It can be re- directed at ourselves, right? Directed at strangers, you name it, right? Um, so from there, there is bargaining, and bargaining is kind of um, the reaction to feeling helpless and vulnerable. Um, and it's trying again, it's trying to regain control, right? Mm-hmm. And I think kind of back thinking about control, anger is definitely part of that. Dad's calling, blowing me up. Should I? Yeah, I guess. Dad, I'm in the middle of doing a podcast. Natalie's picking her up. Hello? Oh, what the? He's creating more. All right. We should be good now, I think. Okay. Um, So back to kind of talking about bargaining. Um, It's a way to kind of feel regaining control through like if only statements, which are. You know, if only we had sought medical attention sooner, if only we got a second opinion, if only we tried to do this better, right, or do right. that differently, or what have you. You know, it's things that are just not possible mm-hmm. in these circumstances. And, well, really not possible at all. We can't go back in time. So it just, I think bargaining is really difficult because then it heaps more guilt, more shame, Um do you think bargaining also for people of faith is if you heal this person, I will do this or. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I would consider that to be bargaining. Um, and then the fourth is depression. So then you just kind of go into this deep, dark hole of sadness. Mm hmm. Right, because you've kind of depleted all your other resources and all your other energy. I definitely can relate to the depression piece mm-hmm. in regards to this. Oh yeah, um, and I'm scared. You know, it's talking about depression. I'm scared. I was thinking about this the other day because my job does not allow for me to have paid time off, and I was thinking because I'm like. When Tyler dies, right, which is mm-hmm. such, it's such a crazy thing. I don't say that a lot, by the way. Like, I just don't verbalize that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking, I'm like, I'm going to have to take off work, like weeks off of work. I just don't, I don't see myself being able to really function very well. Especially in my job. Well, in because your my, field, yeah. Right, and I think that was... Um, that's also something that I have to deal with too on another level is that going through this while I'm also helping others that are going through grief and loss is a trip right. in and of itself. You know, I don't get to really be far removed mm-hmm. from. Yeah. There's not really a break for you. No, no. So, which I had to finally boundaries, I think would be another wonderful episode, by the way. Mm hmm. 
Because I had to set boundaries. Yeah. I had to set boundaries with you, with mom. Yeah. You know, I had to like say, Mm -hmm. you know, these are the things that like, because I remember you would call me sometimes and it was like while I was working. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time. Oh, no, I think it was more because you had called on a completely unrelated issue and I was like, every time you call me, I think that there is something oh, yeah. tragic going on. Right. And I think I started sobbing. <laughs> you were, you felt terrible. But that was a boundary I needed to create for myself, mm-hmm. you know, because I was just so enmeshed and immersed in everything that was going on. Yeah. But um, and then the last is acceptance, you know, so acceptance um, you know, it's just, it's just that it's when you start to recognize you have to create a new normal. Right. <clears throat> I think I'm definitely there, but it feels like shit. Mm-hmm. Like acceptance doesn't feel good. No, it doesn't, but it alleviates, um, that running feeling like running from the emotion Mm -hmm. running because that was going on for so long like Mm -hmm. I remember just getting in my car and having to leave because I could or I also remember dreading coming home from work at night because I didn't want to be at my house I didn't want to come home to my husband that can't speak anymore right you know I couldn't look at pictures on the wall because that was a time that we'll never have back that's that's dead. Mm-hmm. I'm grieving that life, that right. person, that partner that I had, that best friend that I had, you know, and it was just so painful to even mm-hmm. look at pictures, you know, pictures that I love. That's so because I mean, we us siblings had to really process that, too. You know, when it hit me was um it was sometime over the summer and we were having one of our big old family house parties. Remember? Mm-hmm. And I said the next day, I'm like, we can't keep doing this. Yeah. Like we have to accept. And that's why I was so proud of you for putting, although we didn't, we didn't listen to them very well. <laughs> the time limit. The time limit. I don't think Tyler didn't listen to it either. He was, he was up until God knows when that night, but we, you know, we realized, like, we have to really monitor the drinking, yeah. the staying up, the not sleeping, right? Like, things that we could do any other time. Right. Yeah, and you have to adapt to your new norm, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, in the beginning of all of this, there was, I think it was one of Oprah's Super Soul Sunday or Super Soul podcasts episodes I was listening to. And um, it was interesting because every book I like the word acceptance and the theme acceptance just kept coming up and showing up to me. And I'm mm-hmm. like, OK, I get it, universe. I'm supposed to be fucking accepting this shit. You know, I don't. Right. And you don't really know how to do that. You know, it's not like, oh, well, if I do this, this and this. Then I'm accepting it. Right. It's in, it's something in your heart that yes. you have to let it seep in, mm-hmm. you know, and in your brain. And there uh, on this podcast, it had said, um, 
if you resist, it persists. Mm, I like that. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me because I I really felt like I was keeping it all at arm's length. Mm -hmm. Like, I know what's going on. Logically, I'm accepting what's happening. Logically, I know what's going on. But I'm not emotionally, like, I can't. I can't Mm -hmm. go there. And so it was just permeating everything all day long. Oh, yeah. You know, and you're obsessing and obsessing and obsessing. And, you you know, you just want some peace and some calm. And and then I think, you know, um, well, like with our brother, you know, he's going through a really awful divorce. And I keep telling him because now I'm watching him. We're watching him go through this. Right. Grief process and of mm-hmm. grief. And, you know, I said, you're going to find that. I said, I, I remember the day that I had my first bit of relief and smiled mm-hmm. and, and recognizing mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, you know, and then those times come closer and closer and closer. And mm-hmm. I feel like I have those. I wouldn't say I'm like happy more than I am not, I maintain now. Right. I'm in this kind You're of balance. Yes. That's what I say. Yeah. That's really what we're, and that's the thing. That's what acceptance is. It's mm-hmm. balance. It's feeling balanced. Right. We are always seeking balance in our lives. Now where I don't accept it, and this is, this is where I need to work on it is when, you know, I'm, talking to Tyler and he's not understanding what I'm saying mm-hmm. and I do get pissed. I'm expecting something out of him. I know he can't give me. Right. Right. You know, and that has been my biggest mm-hmm. challenge because he wants to be a part of things. Cognitively, he's still there to a certain degree, you know, like he wants to still be a dad. He wants to help mm-hmm. with the kids, mm-hmm. you know, but here's an example from the other day. I'm upstairs getting ready to go to work. He's getting the helping to get the three little kids ready and he's downstairs and I can hear him going, where's, where's the cinnamon, the toast, the cinnamon toast. And I know he's not talking about the cereal because the kids have already gotten it out and they're eating it. And he's, and you know, and I can hear him in the pantry and I'm like, are you, are you looking for the bread? And he's like, no, the toe, like cinnamon toast, toe, you know, and then I finally got him like, you're looking for the toaster. He's like, yes, the toaster. So I'm like, it's in the peninsula because I put it in the peninsula from the party to make counter space. And he's going, I, I don't know what a panala is. And I'm like, the peninsula, you know. I don't know what that is. I don't, you know, and he keeps saying the word wrong. And mm-hmm. he's in the pantry still. And I'm getting so agitated because it's like, I just want to be able to say to somebody, the toaster's in the peninsula. Right. And they can go to it and get it. Instead, I have to yell down to the kids, can you help your dad find the toaster, get him out of the pantry? You know, it's just. Yeah. So that's where my, I'm still resisting Mm -hmm. that shit. Yes, you are. And. It also kind of boils down to, though, I don't have time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Like even today, you know, as we're leaving and he's, you know, what's going on for today? You know, and I I said, we're coming to do the podcast and, 
you know, I'm trying to figure out rights for the kids and he's upset because I haven't told him. Well, I, I didn't know anything that was going on. You know, it's nothing uh, intentional. Right. I don't have the fucking time to sit here and make you try and understand what I'm saying to you. I don't like mm-hmm. my mind's moving a thousand miles an hour right now. If I don't tell you something, it's just because it slipped my mind. Yeah, it just sucks because I obviously every cancer, or every illness is significant in its own right. But this one alters his entire personality. Right. Because it's his brain. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, I'll, th- I'll say, like, why, why couldn't it have been lung cancer? Or, you know, right. just something that... Bargaining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, again, it is brain cancer. Uh, your, our friend, I don't know why I said your, but our friend, Stephanie, mm-hmm. is really good at, I think, reminding you of that. Because mm-hmm. I, I hear her do it. You know, right. where she'll say, Becca or Sarah, mm-hmm. because he can't, because he has brain cancer. Right. Like he has a brain injury. Right. Mm-hmm. If he was hurt in a war, right, mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect him to have the functioning to do things that he had done before. No. And that's how you have to view that, you know, mm-hmm. but it's hard. I mean, that's easier said than done. So I just want to really give listeners hope that are finding themselves in the beginning stages of whatever their mm-hmm. situation is. You know, you will come through it. The This despair and crazy fear and... You know, it's, uh, what is it, the fight or flight Mm -hmm. feeling, like that I got to get out of here kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It does, and maybe not for everybody, but, you know, here I am a year and a half later, you know. Well, one of the things that I think was helpful was really reframing your thoughts, right? Um, So I will never forget I and you told me not too long ago that you gave me credit because we had never talked about it. And I just I always felt this huge sense of credit for you moving to Beloit for myself, Mm -hmm. because I remember where we had this conversation. You were doing my hair. Mm -hmm. We were in Madison Mm -hmm. and you were you were in one of your really dark places and you were like. You were talking about you were starting, you had gone back to school at this point, which I thought was quite honestly just a colossal mistake <laughs> between us. Because I was like, typical Sarah, you're you're going through this and you're now going to sign up for college courses, <laughs> <laughs> which I know you would do. You could do. Yeah. You could have absolutely handled all of that, you know, yeah. but... I just knew it was another layer, though, of you right. avoiding. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so I remember I went there and you were, you know, you were just in a bad place that day. And um, 
you were like bitching about this and bitching about that. And then you were like, well, I'm going to and I'm going to have to I'm going to have to fucking move down to Beloit. And I remember I looked at you and I go, would that really be that bad? Mm -hmm. And I go, Sarah, first of all, Beloit has totally revamped itself. It's actually a cool city to live in now. Yeah. Secondly, you have family there Mm -hmm. and friends. Right. Like, I literally remember this conversation. Like, it was yesterday. And I remember you, it planted this seed. Mm -hmm. Right. And then then we talked about your schooling. Yeah. And then I was like, you don't have to go that route, Sarah. Mm-hmm. You can do this or this. And it was just this moment of like, it was such a um, colossal aha yeah. day of rethinking things. Well, that was my memory of my first relief and having yes. hope. Like I remember driving home, feeling hopeful mm-hmm. for the first time in months. And here's the thing. My situation hadn't changed one bit. Right. From when I had left my house that morning. Right. Right. You know. Right. You were just allowing yourself an opportunity to consider the possibilities of moving to Beloit Mm -hmm. and what that could look like. Right. You know, and not continuing with school and giving yourself a break. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think coming kind of full circle. I like the idea of giving people absolute hope, Mm -hmm. right? Of our thoughts are so powerful and shape our mood. And that is how we have moods is through our thoughts. Yeah. And And it's not that we have to be hokey, right? No, no. It's just, we have to be at no point. I think have I ever been like, Sarah, look on the bright side, you know, but it's like, no, I think I said to you yesterday, I'm like, I think with the population that I work with, I get to keep things in perspective every day of my life. Mm -hmm. And then this just added a huge layer to that. Well, and I think when you're in the throes of it, in the beginning phases of it, you can't see digging your way out. Mm -mm. It just seems unfathomable to, you know, picture yourself on the other side. Right, right. But I I feel a lot, you know a lot better. Yeah. But balanced. then much yeah balanced. But then you're then you're also kind of stuck in this. Well, there's more to come though, you know. Mm-hmm. But you you also you also stop living in the future. Absolutely. Too, mm-hmm. You know, which I think is huge. Um, Pema Chodron is a fantastic author. She's the one I bought that book for you when things fall apart. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Very good one. Mm-hmm. So it's called When Things Fall Apart. And um, just a wonderful, I remember I just like obsessively read through that because I was, I was like, I need something. I need something to help me figure out <laughs> mm-hmm. what to do. Yeah. Well, I feel good about um, talking about the the grieving process and and just know that there isn't an end. 
It's a process. It's a process. And there's no wrong or right way to do it. Absolutely not. Either. Well, well, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> there's no one size fits all. Right. There are obviously more healthy ways than others. Yeah. But, you know, I worried for a long time about what how were people thinking I was handling this okay? Am mm-hmm. I, you know, do I seem upset enough? Do I seem too upset? Am I, you know, and you don't know how you're gonna handle that. And I right. hear that a lot too. I don't I don't think I could do it. You know, and it's like you could. What is your cho- what is the other choice? Right. You know, um it just my thing is Throw myself into projects. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Go back to school, you know. <laughs> totally. That's typical, Sarah. It is. It works for me, though. It sure does. And it works for your beautiful home. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of people benefit from it. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you, Becca, for coming and talking about um, the stages of grief. Absolutely. And until next time, thank you. All right. Love you. Love you. I'd love to start a conversation with you. Please share your story with me via email, which is sarah at whenshitgetsreal.net. That's sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at whenshitgetsreal.net. Or visit my website, whenshitgetsreal.net.